All right. Well, welcome, everyone. Uh, this is our first episode of the Sports Snobs. Uh, I am Brian Kaz, and my co-host is Pat. Uh, you can see our social medias at the bottom, so please uh, add us, like us, share us, do all that fun stuff on social media. Uh, we hope to bring you some fun and interesting takes on sports. Um, so with that, Pat, I wanted to start with the World Series. Uh, we're taping this on Tuesday. So right now it is three to two Los Angeles. So what's your overall view on the World Series so far? How do you think it's going? I mean, I think it's a great series. Um, I mean, given the circumstances of everything going on with COVID and the shortened season and having kind of that bubble aspect of the playoffs, I mean, all things considered, I think the the playoffs in general have been phenomenal. Um, But this series in particular – like I said, it's it's it might go down as one of the greatest series in World Series history, just given the fact that it's it's constant back and forth, right? Uh, Dodgers take game one, Rays take game two. They just switch back and forth, three, four, five. So it's it's it seems like it's destined for that game seven. Um, but yeah, I mean, stealing home, all all these different crazy plays that are going on in this series. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's great for the sport, especially. Yeah, I was really surprised with uh, Tampa even competing with uh, the Dodgers. I thought the Dodgers early on in this 60-game season were really going to just run away with it. And Tampa tends to have these sneaky teams that just hang in there. And, um, I mean, you talk about the crazy plays. I think one of the crazy plays, maybe besides the uh, Bill Buckner play, um, (laughs) is that game four play. And I think we have a clip of it where the Rays kind of had that walk-off hit where, like, four things went wrong. So, like I said, I think we have a clip of that. So, yeah, here they're down two – or they're down one, but they have two on. Standard routine to – Guy boots the ball. To, yeah, to the invisible looks, It looks like our buddy Chris from softball around the third base where he falls down. He just falls uh, down. And the tag with, with, and then just losing the ball. I mean, if he makes the play, it's a tie game. Anything can happen. Rays might still win it. But to lose on that play, to run scoring on what should have just been a, a single for the most part, yeah. uh, that's, I mean – Series might have been over by now, but like you said, the Rays are just finding those kind of scrappy ways, and and it's, they're playing the game totally different than any other team has played this season. Even going back to the regular season, kind of going with those openers and whatnot. But I think that play is kind of just a microcosm of of the whole season for the Rays and how they've gotten to this point. And I mean, I know you talked about the the Rays trying to steal home in Game Five, which I thought was a risky move. But at really? the time, Kershaw was playing phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've never seen a manufacturer run somehow. Yeah. On third base, though, uh, two outs on third base. I mean, it's just – I mean, he almost makes it, right? So we could judge this play two ways. We can say the idea of trying to steal home is just absurd, right? It's it's it, The last time it was actually done successfully, I think Jackie Robinson was the last person to actually successfully steal home. Um, in that in the world trade up, trade up deal. Um, so you can judge it in high and, you know, on the idea of doing it. And then you look at the play still absurd, but the fact that he, he almost, almost gets in, uh, makes you kind of second guess the, the decision. But I just think in the world series in the regular season, it's one thing, but in the world series runner on third, I, I just, I don't think you, that's a, that's a good call. But the way Kershaw was pitching and the way the the Tampa Bay has been having problems with runners in scoring position, um, Kershaw being a lefty, his back is to third base. The guy had a huge lead. Uh, Kershaw has that very exaggerated motion to the plate. So, I mean, I think it was a calculated risk. Didn't work, but, um, you know, they're they're here in game six uh, tonight. Uh, game seven's tomorrow, so by the time people see this, um, they'll know who wins. But, but who do you think pulls it out, and in what game? I think the series is going to keep going the way it's going. I think I think the Rays find a way to win tonight. I mean, the Dodgers have Tony Gonsolin on the mound. Who knows how how long he's going to last in the game? They might kind of piecemeal something together like they did in 
I think it was game two, if I'm not mistaken, where they kind of, I think they had three out of the starter and whatnot. But in any case, um, yeah, I think it's just kind of that flip-flop type of series. Rays will, will, in my opinion, will take tonight and then come down to the winner-take-all game seven. So uh, I think the excitement, it's, it's kind of just destined to, to go to seven games, in my opinion. It just feels that way. So who do you got in game seven? I got the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers will take it. I think the idea from what I heard on the radio is that Walker Bueller is the guy for game seven, uh, pitching on three days rest, I believe, but he's just been absolutely lights out. Uh, not even just the postseason and just in general. I mean, he's, he's, he's a solid, solid pitcher. Um, I, I, I just feel like the Dodgers are due. How many years in a row can the Dodgers win their division or make the playoffs and then just and just get bumped out uh, either before the World Series or in the World Series. It just seems like it's it's got to be destiny at this point. I heard Tampa Bay calling uh, Jose Altuvo and asking him where he got that buzzer from uh, last year so they can get some pitches. That's what they're I heard. Way, they're way ahead of that. They got better than buzzers. <laughs> uh, so let's go to the NFL. So the big news this week was this was the first week in a while where we didn't have any – games moved yeah. postponed or anything for COVID. So does that give you a little bit more promise that uh, maybe we'll actually get to a Super Bowl and have a full 17 uh, week season? Yeah. I don't think there's any question that they're going to complete the season um, just because it's, it, I mean, it's the NFL. I mean, they, they do things that other sports just don't do. Um, I mean, even starting the season, right. And, and, obviously without fans and certain strict protocols in place, but the fact that they even moved forward with us starting the season in September is just kind of mind boggling, but also impressive at the same time. So um, yeah, I think no COVID, no, no positive tests or no outbreaks at least right in the last week, nothing causing postponements or cancellations. That's gotta be a good sign. I think the Titans whole scenario, that, that whole fiasco with, with kind of, testing positive and then somewhat breaking protocols to have a practice offsite or, or whatever the case may be. I think that kind of, I guess, motivated teams to say, you know, we, we, you know, we don't want to end up, you know, missing two weeks of football by week and then getting flexed to a Tuesday night game. It just throws off your whole season at that rate. Right. Um, Titans kind of responded well to it, but just in general, I think other teams see that and they're, and they're thinking to themselves, you know, how many more weeks do we really have to go? Or we're already in week eight. So what do you have? Uh, nine, nine more weeks and then plus playoffs. So if you're not making the playoffs, all you have is nine weeks left. That's less than the NBA was in their bubble. So at this point you have to feel uh, pretty optimistic about, about the, the status of, of the league as it relates to COVID. And, and I think that no positive cases, um, especially with the outbreak going on throughout the country was great. And I think it was even more important because you don't really have as much latitude with bye weeks because teams are already having their buys uh, exactly. to do that rescheduling. So I think that that was a great sign. Um, as for the NFC West, um, do you think that that's the uh, best division? I mean, there's not a team there that's under 500. Yeah. Um, LA, the, the Rams last night, they, um, you know, everybody was high on the bears and they just, Killed them. Everybody uh, so, but me. I, I was not a believer in the Bears at all. I, honestly, I feel like it's the same. Giant and Nick Foles is now their quarterback. Therefore, you cannot like the Bears. But that's another. I don't like them. I mean, I just. I mean, you could. That's a great point. You bring up the Giants. I mean, look at the game that the Giants played against the Bears. I mean, the Bears ran that game from start to finish. There's no doubt that that they were that they had full control of that game. But at the end of the game, it's a one score a one score victory with the giants driving down the field. So I think every game they've won has just been kind of questionable. They, their offense is just, it's just terrible. Um, I'm not sure if Foles is, is really playing much better than Mitchell Trubisky was. I mean, he kind of sparked him in the beginning uh, and you can see he has more arm talent as far as throws down the field, whether it's kind of deep comebacks or even those seams and whatnot. But I mean, you really believed, in the Bears last night, I know you, I know you, you may have placed a, a little a little wager on them, uh, not to win, but to cover uh, six points. So, hey, you know, I, 
I got the Bears as my uh, fantasy football defense. So, yes, I did go Bears plus six and the under. I got half of it right. Got the under, yeah. Um, but do you think that it's more of a statement of the Rams being good or the Bears being bad with that win? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, there's no doubt the Bears, I mean, statistically, you could see they, they have one of the top, it might be top five defenses uh, halfway through the season. Um, and you know, that's kind of been there the way they play, you know, over the last 10 years, that's just, that's just what they're known for, right? A solid defense. But, um, I mean, the Rams had, they, I, I like the tempo they ran. Um, they caught the bears out of position a lot. I think, um, if they, if they continue to be creative and Sean McVay continues to kind of, I guess, go back to his play calling from a couple of years ago where it was much more spread out tempo, switch it up on the teams. I think, I think it says. I think it says something about Sean McVay. I don't know if it says much about the Rams yet. Um, but to your point, this is clearly the best division in football. Um, so once they kind of prove themselves within the division, I think they played every NFC East team yep. within the first five weeks. So, I, I mean, what does that say about you as far as, as beating those teams? I don't know. When you start having these in-division uh, the divisional games, then obviously I think we'll know a little bit more. But 19 and 8 in the division, the entire division, I mean, that's that's the best division in football, hands down. And to your point about games, I think one of the best games of the week was uh, Seattle and Arizona. And I don't know about you, I thought Seattle would, you know, not run away with it, but I thought it would be an easy win. And then uh, Russell Wilson decided, you know, throw his three interceptions. Uh, Chris yeah, Carson got hurt. Uh, Peterson shut down DK Metcalf. Lockett blew up. Lockett blew yeah. up. But, um, yeah. You know, um, what was your thoughts on the, the Sunday game? Going into it, I, I mean, I think the spread was something like uh, – was it Seahawks or Cardinals plus three and a half, maybe something like that. It's a very small number. And I, and I thought going into that, that you have to take that bet, right? I mean, Seahawks are probably um, minus three and a half. I thought they were going to win handedly. Um, and they probably do if Russell Wilson doesn't do things that Russell Wilson doesn't typically do, like throw three interceptions in a game. Uh, one that should have been a pick six. Um, but yeah, I, I still think the Seahawks are – you know, a top five team in the NFL. I think this just is, this is just a case of a, just a Sunday night game. Cardinals just being motivated. It's a divisional game. Um, so I guess kind of going back to your question about the Rams and bears, who does it say more about the Sox or the Cardinals? I think it really says more about the Cardinals kind of showing up uh, and knocking off the Seahawks, the first place team. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the, the play that, uh, that uh, the interception that should have been a touchdown. Um, I think we have a, a clip of that because this is a big boy running down a cornerback <laughs> and uh, catching him from like 15 yards out there. So, uh, yeah, th this was an amazing play. Um, should have been the play of the game. It should have been. I mean, if they didn't go to overtime, this wins the game. Look at it. Look at it. That guy's like what? He's 32, 40? Yeah, a Baker. He's a uh, I mean, making up what, 10 plus yards on? I mean, that is just. It's he's just, 10 he's yards free. and he was like five yards inside. He's um, a yeah. The one thing I love about that play is like DK Metcalf, he's getting all the praise. It's only his second year. And typically, wide receivers are divas. But yeah. the kid who he just comes in, he works hard every day. Um, he didn't quit on that. You're not seeing a, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, you're not seeing a Antonio Brown who's now back in the league. You're not seeing a, a um, Amari Cooper. You're not seeing anybody like that doing no. that much hustle. And um, even though he has his pink hair and his two huge, you know, gold earrings that he wears all there, he's not the typical wide receiver diva. He's somebody who. You know, a high school coach, a college coach could put on that tape and go, this is why you play to the whistle every single down. And that's a player that I can root for. Um, even if he only got my fantasy team two points, uh, I still like the kid. Yeah, he should have. He should have got plus six for that. 
So now you mentioned, uh, well, you are a Giants fan, uh, but you mentioned yeah. that Rams, they, uh, four of their wins are against the, the NFC East. So we go from the best division to not even question if it's the worst division. But historically, how bad do you think this division is? I have never seen anything like this. I mean, you've seen the divisions where the first place team is kind of running away with it, and then the the, the, the three play, the three teams behind that team are kind of terrible, for lack of better words, right? You've seen like the the seven and zero start with the maybe three and four, two and five, one and six, but for each team to be under five hundred, not even close. I mean, we're not just saying three and four, right? I mean, we're this is a bad bad division historically bad 720 and one through the first uh what is that seven weeks i mean it's just i've never seen anything like this uh, you're a bit older than i have so maybe you can speak to before my time but this is just it's there's really no way to even explain it i mean the cowboys should be good uh and by good i just mean like show up and play football and be competitive based on their skill positions. I mean, you have Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper. Um, you had Dak right before the horrendous injury. And, of course, I mean, their defense is bad, but there's a lot of bad defenses whose, whose offenses carry them to victories. Uh, Cowboys were kind of doing that in the beginning. Um, obviously, without Prescott, that becomes a bit more difficult. But the Cowboys are usually, you know, usually in there, especially over the last four or five years. After that, I mean, the Eagles ravaged by injuries again. The Giants just doing Giants things. And the Washington football team, I mean, who knows? This could be their division for the take. I, I mean, if the, if the Giants pull out that win against Philadelphia, they're tied for first place, which is scary. But to your point, I mean, yeah, you had, you know, the the 2010 Patriots dynasty. Yeah, they usually led the AFC East by four or five games. But you still had teams that won five, six games. I don't think the division winner. I don't think the division winner gets six games in this division. Yeah, it'll be tough. It, it really will. And then it's going to obviously spark those conversations of: Do we go to the NBA format where we're taking the you know, regardless of division, we're just taking the the in the NBA it's eight best, right? But in the NFL, what would it be the seven best now since they've changed the format a little bit? Um, how do you kind of penalize, I guess, again, for lack of better words, the team that wins a division at six and 10, because now they're hosting a first round playoff game and sure home field advantage might not be quite what it was in prior years with fans there. If there's no fans at the end or if they're in a bubble, but to, to allow a home game, a potentially, I mean, picture this picture the Washington football team hosting a home playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Packers. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't seem fair. I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, I don't think the Packers will be there because I think they'll win their division. Um, but I can see it against, you know, an Arizona Cardinals, uh, a Saints, Tampa Bay, whoever doesn't win there. And that's where I think the NFL needs to change is, yes, you win your division, you're in the playoffs, but it should be the top records get the whole field yeah, I agree. I agree 100. percent But I mean, I, I think you could find. I think Alabama. If you put Alabama in the uh, NFC East, they they might have a better record right now. I mean, you could you could easily argue that they probably have more first round picks on their current team than obviously any team in that division does. So skill wise and talent wise, hey, I'd love to see that. That that'd be that'd be something. And it would, probably be, it would probably be the best coach in the division as well. Just oh, absolutely. saying. Absolutely. <laughs> Even though he was horrible when he was at the Dolphins. But uh, regardless, so do you think the the Cowboys are kind of uh, tanking for Trevor? Uh, do you think that there's some kind of culture in that locker room where they're like, we don't want to have to franchise Dak again? We don't want to have to pay him that money because we don't think he's that good. And then he goes down with a horrific injury. You don't yeah. know if he'll ever bounce back. Do you think people are like, why are we going to kill ourselves when we can now get a franchise quarterback on a rookie deal 
and not just have Zeke and Cooper, yeah. but have money to get other players. Do you think that that's anything popping into anybody's head? I'm not sure it's popping into their heads. But, again, it, I mean, it goes back to the point that, I mean, technically, if you're sitting one or two games out of first place with a miserable record, again, going back to the all the skill that they have on that team, Cooper, Elliott, Michael Gallup is on the rise. Um, C.D. Lamb obviously shows out from week to week. I, I find it hard to believe that you can, I guess, kind of convince those players or kind of put that energy out there that we're not really going to try. I mean, for superstar players, that, that seems like something that that'd be a little difficult to do. I, do I put it past Jerry Jones to have that in his mind or to be kind of wishing it? No, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put anything past Jerry Jones, but I, I think you could still get a, a top, you know, top 10 pick right? Winning the division at, let's say, 5-11, and 11, and then, you know, maybe pulling off some sort of trade. I mean, that that if you have a, a number 9 or number 10 pick, there's still some value to that. Teams are willing to trade out. I mean, you know, the Jets or the Giants, if they're at number 1, Giants obviously wouldn't trade a pick to the Cowboys, but if the Jets had the number 1 pick, are they going to draft a quarterback? Are they going to stick with Sam Darnold, or would they trade back to the number 10 and take the Cowboys' number 1 pick next year, along with who knows, Amari Cooper, maybe. Um, I know they just signed them, but any, I think anything's in play when you're this bad. Well, to be honest, I don't know if you saw the reports, but Trevor Lawrence said he might go back to Clemson next year. Yeah, I did see and that. I think that's because he saw the teams that are at the bottom, and he's like, yeah, I'd rather stay in Clemson than go to any one of those places. Um, but you know the Giants almost getting there. Um, that Daniel Jones run. Um, I mean, what happened there on that? Oh, eight like he got tired. He was running twenty-one miles per hour. He just he hit a wall. Lit almost literally. It looked like he literally hit a wall. <laughs> I disagree. Uh, I with it being Halloween, I actually have a different theory. Uh, oh, yeah. We have a little bit of a clip here of what I think really happened with it being, you know, a week before Halloween. By the way, that throw by Jason Voorhees with Axe would make him the best quarterback in the NFC East. Hands down. Hands down. Biggest arm, everything. I didn't see it live, but uh, I might have missed something. I'll have to go back and look at that replay again. Yeah, no, you know, it's uh, Jason Voorhees. He comes out of nowhere. He comes out of nowhere. But uh, And then Ebron, I mean, he dropped what? Two, three passes. Um, what? Engram, I think is what you what you I'm meant. Sorry. Yep. If we had Ebron, we might might have won a couple games by now. Uh, he's 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 just he's just not a good pass catching tight end. And they knew it from the start. They knew it when they drafted him. Um, I mean, he's not even. It's not that he's dropping the ball this year. I mean, it's two drops, which I guess is technically you know, top in the league, somewhere near the top of the league this early in the season. But, I mean, he he just kind of crocodile-handed it. He didn't even reach his hands fully out. I mean, that's a catch that every other skill position player on the field or sideline in that game makes. And he just finds a way to just continue to frustrate Giants fans uh, and some fantasy owners from what I hear. <laughs> I, I am one of those. We're really picking on my fantasy team this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I still got a better record than you, my friend. You do. Uh, I had a bad week. Uh, so AFC East, right? Typically that's Patriots. All day, Patriots, you don't have to question. At the beginning of the year, it was like, ooh, the Bills might have it. And then they signed Cam Newton. Yeah. But now Cam Newton started out pretty good, got the COVID, not sure if that's affecting him. Mm -hmm. um, but he is just playing horrible lately. So is this the Bills division to win now? I mean, you you would you would think, um, although they haven't looked very good in the last couple of weeks, uh, losing two games in a row, right? And then, I mean, almost blowing one to the Jets. Uh, I, I was I was legitimate. I I did place a little little bet on that game, and I was legitimately worried about about the outcome of that game. I thought the Jets might find a way to, to pull that one out. But um, the way Josh Allen played it through the first four or five games, you, you would think that the Bills would be running away with this. But 
Then you look at the Dolphins and you have to ask yourself, you know, this team is what three and four or three and three. I'm not sure. I mean, that, that's your team. You, you correct me on the record there, but with Ryan Fitzpatrick or Fitzmagic, should I say? Um, and now you're going to Tua. So the question is, I mean, are, will the Dolphins be better with Tua? What's the, what's the kind of the reason for making that move? this point in the season when you're just maybe two games out of first place. And I mean, who knows, might be able to slip into the playoffs with the wild card. So um, definitely the bills division to lose, but the dolphins, I, I think you just got to keep an eye on them. I, I agree. With you. Um, I think it was, I don't think it was the right decision to do Tua now, but I honestly think that before the season started, management said, after the bye, it's to his team, regardless of record. Uh, that's the only thing that could explain this. Um, because, like you said, Fitzpatrick, he had one bad game. Um, but other than that, he's been playing very good. Um, yeah. It was also a disappointment to hear how he kind of found out from the media and the management yeah. didn't tell him. Yeah, so, that had, um, what is it, Wilmer Flores all over it from a couple of years yeah. ago, the Mets finding out in the middle of the game. From the fans, uh, yeah, you hate to see it. I mean, he's Fitzpatrick, a likable guy, uh, journeyman through his entire career, Harvard guy. I mean, it's hard not to root for him. To your point, yeah, I'm sure they said, you know, regardless of record, we're going to go to two after the bye week. But in looking at the schedule, I mean, in your opinion, does it? I mean, look at these next three games: Rams, Cardinals, and Chargers. Uh, great defenses. Uh, big man, Aaron Donald, uh, on the other <laughs> side of the line there on the Rams. I mean, does that make does that make you worry for Tua? Are are you concerned? I mean, it's been I think just over a year since since the hit injury. It, it was a year to the day when he started. Yeah. When he got in. Yeah. Uh, last so, game. You know, I don't I don't want Aaron Donald and the rest of the Rams defensive line coming at my quarterback his first full game after. Reconstructive hip surgery. Yeah, uh, no, I, I really don't. I, I don't agree with the decision. I often don't agree with the Dolphins' um, managerial moves. Um, I mean, look at Jack Rosen. I mean, that was a stupid trade. Yeah. Um, they've gotten better in the past two years, I would say, besides Rosen. But um, you know, it. it I, I don't agree with it, especially when they're playing the way they are with Fitzpatrick playing the way he was and the way he was such a cheerleader on the sideline when they put Tua in for those last two, three plays. And he was like the guy, you know, ramping everybody up. So he seems like a great guy, great mentor. And for him to find out that way and for him to lose his job just because they want to put the rookie in, even though you have a a chance to get into the playoffs. That that was uh, disappointing to me. Yeah, that's a good point because, I mean, it goes back to, you know, if they did decide it in the beginning of the season, would he have been so kind of rah-rah when they took him out of the um, took him out of the last game for two? I mean, if he if he knew that was potentially his last, last yeah. game, I mean, I don't know if he actually reacts that way, but uh, who knows? Um, We'll see. We'll see what happens. But hey, maybe they maybe they go undefeated the rest of the season. I mean, who knows? We can only judge this after the fact. But I agree with you. I think it was too soon. Um, I think you ride the hot hand, and I mean, in the AFC East, hand doesn't have to be too hot. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so AFC Central, big game this week. Another great uh, game. Pittsburgh and the Ravens. Uh, Pittsburgh was a great game last week against the Titans. Um, two undefeated. Now it's only Pittsburgh uh, in the AFC. So who do you got, Pittsburgh Ravens, this week? I, I, I it feels kind of silly to, to be this confident, but I feel like it's the Steelers, and I think it's a no-brainer. I just think the Ravens' offense is so one-dimensional, and pretty much if you if you if you have the proper game plan to stop Lamar Jackson, um, I mean, what else can they really do? If he's not running the ball and you make him throw from outside the pocket, get him scrambling around, yeah, he'll beat you a couple times. But the Steelers' defense—I mean, arguably the best defense in the league—I, I, I, to me, it's it's a no-brainer. I looked at the 
spread earlier. Steelers are plus three and a half. I mean, that's a bet that you, that you, you have to take, right? I don't know what they're seeing or what they're hearing early in the week. And if you don't believe me on the, the Ravens offense kind of being one-dimensional, the Ravens just signed Des Bryant to their practice squad. I mean, that alone should 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 cause some concern for Ravens fans. That that's that's a bit of a reach. Yeah, but should I, worry, should I take that from like a obvious Cowboys hater, like with full? <laughs> I did um, hate. Me. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not, full disclosure. I couldn't stand Des Bryant, but uh, I don't. I mean, out of nowhere, I don't. I didn't hear any other teams even really, you know, giving it much thought. No, and, and you know it is to the practice squad. He won't be active this week. Um, but to your point, I think Pittsburgh's D. I mean, um, Baltimore does have a good running offense. They're not as good as they were this year as they were last year. But sure. you know, you have three actual running backs in that backfield that could break anyone off. They're not doing as well this year. Their offensive line is a little shaky, in my opinion. But Pittsburgh just stopped Derrick Henry. I mean, Henry had a great yeah. game, but none of the, the Baltimore running backs, even though they're good, they're not a Derrick Henry. Um, the Pittsburgh secondary can easily shut down Hollywood Brown and whoever else they throw out there. So it's more of a can the Steelers contain? And I don't really know that because they really haven't – I mean, Tannenhill – is a kind of running quarterback, but we don't really have anybody that can hit the corner and go. Um, I think that that's the key to the game is can those linebackers keep contain and keep him within the middle of the field? Because if he gets outside, it's going to be ugly. Um, but, yeah, I'm surprised that it was it, – it's in Baltimore though, right? Yeah, it is in Baltimore, and I think they're, they might be allowing a certain amount of fans. I don't think I don't know how much home field advantage you're, you're getting with five thousand fans. Yeah, uh, at the weather. I mean, it's not going to be. It's not like you have a California team traveling to forty degree, fifty degree Maryland. I mean, I don't know, but uh, that's what the line was. So, I mean, I think the Steelers are winning straight out. I don't. I don't think they need the points, honestly. So, staying with the uh, AFC Central now that I mean Cleveland. They have their up weeks, their down weeks. This past week, yeah, it was against the Bengals, but Baker came back, got him into the end zone and won it. Um, but now they don't have Odell. So do you see them even being a contender anymore, or is it just Pittsburgh and Baltimore, or can the Browns surprise anybody? I, think, I mean, I think they're still, still a good team. Um, clearly, they're not going to win the division. Right. I mean, they they got they lost handedly to both the Ravens and the Steelers already this season. Um, do I think OBJ is a big part of that offense or I mean, obviously, he's, he's you know, great for those explosive plays, whether it's those reverses or taking a shot downfield on some wide receiver passes. Um, yeah, of course, OBJ is a game changer, but I don't think they're losing so much given that. Their expectations at this point are really a wild card now. I mean, I, they're not going to win the division. Still have Jarvis Landry, who I think is underrated. Um, Kareem Hunt, and I think Nick Chubb comes back soon, right? Um, Possibly two weeks. Yeah, so I, they'll, they'll still be competitive. They'll still win games. It'll still be exciting to watch because I think they are one of the, the more skilled teams from like an athletic perspective in the NFL. But it's unfortunate that, that that he had to go down that way with the kind of a terrible knee injury. But um, I think the Browns will just be what we thought the Browns were going to be prior to losing him, to be honest. So last topic on the NFL. Just curious, uh, who do you think is the uh, better rookie quarterback so far this year? Tua hasn't played, but do you have Burrow or Herbert? Who's impressed you more? I think you have to go with Joe Burrow. Um, just given the circumstances of the team he's playing on, right? He's he's playing on the Bengals, who going into the season, I think they had the worst rated offensive line in the league. 
Uh, they may have gotten better through the first few weeks, but you got to figure they're still towards the bottom. He's, I think he, he may lead the league in, in um, most plays under pressure and all those, you know, different stats as far as pressures, hits, things like that, knockdowns. Um, and given all that, he's still showing out every week. I think he has, is it six games already with 300 plus passing yards and then one more to tie the record or maybe it's five and, and six will tie. But in any case, um, I, I just think he's showing out and with very, very limited um, players around him. I mean, A.J. Green, he's kind of been here and there, takes one week off, plays the next week. Uh, he'll have eight catches, then he'll go for zero. Um Joe Mixon's been out. It, I mean, nothing to take, take nothing away from Herbert. I mean, he's throwing the ball downfield like it's a college game uh, with those big receivers out there and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. But I think you have to go Joe Burrow at this point, just seeing the way he's playing under such pressure and, and not a lot of weapons around him. See, I, I would go with because – Burrow knew going into the season and into the limited training camp, he was the number one. And yeah. Herbert, what was it, week two, week three? You know, the, the, yeah. the doctors punctured uh, along of the starting quarterback. He finds out five minutes before that he's now the starter. So he didn't yeah. get the practice, the reps, and everything like that. And uh, he, he just looked calm, cool, collected, comfortable back there. Um, I was debating the Dolphins should have took him over Tua. Now, um, you know, this week I guess I'll find out if uh, yeah. my concerns were correct. But uh, so let's – now we're talking about the rookies. So let's talk about college football. Um, not many upsets in week eight of college football or week one if you're the Big Ten, whatever conference you're in. But uh, the biggest one was obviously Penn State. There was a lot of hopes for them. I think they were ranked number eight going into the week. Yep. And that overtime game to Indiana. Uh, did that shock you at all? Not really. I feel like Indiana always plays at least one top Big Ten team real close um, each year. Uh, sometimes, you know, pulling off what could be viewed as a miraculous victory based on their preseason rankings or in-season rankings, depending on when they play. Um, so I'm not shocked, honestly. Um, I, the question is, sh- should they have even won the game, right? I mean, are, are, is that a touchdown? I mean, is it, is it a conversion? Is it not a conversion? I mean, that it's still a bad game from Penn State, even if they, even if they win by one, right? But still, I mean, a win's a win. I, how do you see that play? Do you think you think they made the right call with? with- I honestly, I. They made the right call. I know everybody is focusing on the ball was on the line when it hit the pylon. But prior to hitting the pylon, it was inbounds and the tip of the ball crossed the goal line. Mm -hmm. So the ball doesn't have to hit the pylon to be a touchdown. It has to cross the goal line. So everybody is focusing on that that image where the pylon's falling over and the ball is on the the edge. But the ball didn't hit the or I'm sorry, the tip of the ball didn't hit the pylon. It was yeah. about by the white stripe. Therefore, the ball has been in for a couple yeah. of inches. Um, his hips, his knees, his everything was off of the ground. So I I personally think it was the right call. Yeah, and I, and I think, I guess going back to your original question of being shocked, um, being that it's week one, I, I mean, if there's any time to lose, it's clearly earlier in the season because we know that when these rankings start coming out, towards the end, towards the college playoff, um, those losses towards the end of the season carry a lot more weight than those losses early in the season. I mean, Indiana might finish the season, you know, top 25 team. Are they expected to? No, but, I mean, if you're losing to a top 25 team by one point in overtime, do you still have a shot? Maybe. You could argue there's less games for them this season, so that it, it kind of weighs more. But – yeah, it's it's disappointing, but I guess if, if you're gonna lose, I mean these are uh, these might be the best circumstances to lose to a, a rival, you know, early in the season in overtime. That's to just the way. A, I, to be a Big Ten team, 
that makes the playoff because they only play eight games, I guess, in a college championship uh, or a conference championship. You have to lose to a top four team. Mm-hmm. And quote, Indiana is not a top four team. Uh, it doesn't matter when. If this was the SEC and they were playing weeks ago and Alabama loses to Ole Miss or whatever the hell it is, then maybe your theory sticks, but not – I mean, you're in week eight, so you say it's an early loss, but in the heart of everybody in the AP and everything like that, I've seen seven other games of all these other contenders. Yeah, and see, it's just one of those teams that they kind of get the benefit of the doubt um, based on how they finish each year. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see how they how they respond in the upcoming weeks, but um, definitely a disappointing loss. Speaking of disappointing losses, I know you want to talk about the uh, Rutgers game, huh? Yeah. Did you see that one coming? Shianu. Game one, he, I think he's going to win as many games this year in the Big Ten as Rutgers has had since they've joined the Big Ten. I, I, I wouldn't even argue that. I mean, I said it going into the week. Um, I was talking to some friends, and I said, you know, I, I don't expect Rutgers to to win win the Big Ten or you know make the college playoff or even finish the top twenty-five. But you got to figure they're going to be competitive with Greg Shannon coming back. Uh, I think it's all about especially doing due to the COVID circumstances, having limited practice. I think coaching really, really um, seeps into how teams play, how teams respond to adversity. And I mean, I don't know if there's any other team in the Big Ten that's faced as much adversity over the last, what, half a dozen years. Um, I mean, they really haven't been very good. I, I can't even remember the last time that they were. They finished was there. Who was that? Shiano was there. I guess so. Yeah, right. Last time he was there, they were a good team. But um, I mean, yeah, hey, he 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 came out firing. Um, they looked good too. It wasn't. It didn't look like a fluke. I mean, they right. they pretty much handled. I mean, they controlled the game. Um, who knows where Michigan State finishes at the end of the year too? So we don't know if that says more about Rutgers or more about Michigan State. But that's a huge, huge win. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll have to head out to a Rutgers game uh, if they ever let fans back in, or at least tailgate. Yeah, maybe we'll make it past halftime this time. Yeah, maybe. First quarter. (laughs) (laughs) So before we end up the show, I know we got about 15 minutes left. Um, Last thing on the list is uh, UFC 254, which was this past uh, Saturday. Um, Huge news was uh, Khabib. he fought Justin Gaethje. Uh, everybody thought it was going to be a great fight, a stand-up fight. They thought Gaethje might take him out on the feet. And uh, Khabib, second round, um, just took him down, uh, choked him out. But um, the I wasn't surprised by that. I thought Khabib would win. But uh, I think the biggest surprise was right at the uh, end of the fight, he uh, announced his retirement. And uh, I really respected his kind of explanation of it. Uh, for those that don't know, his father uh, passed away um, during Ramadan. So he, he never fights during Ramadan. And his father happened to pass away during Ramadan. Um, his father was his manager, one of his trainers. Um, he said one of his closest friends. Um in the post-fight interview, he said his mother was trying to talk him out of this fight with Gaethje, but he told his mother that, you know, I agreed to the fight when dad was alive, so I'm going to follow through with it, but I yeah. promise you that with without my father, I'll never fight again. So uh, it was a pretty emotional. He was, you know, very emotional. Uh, he took off his gloves, put him in the center of the ring, and walked out. Uh, I know we talked about it when it happened Pat, via text, and you said, eh, I've seen UFC fighters retire and return. I don't think this is a Conor McGregor. I don't think this is a biz thing. I don't think this is a publicity stunt to get more money. I really think that this guy just has that type of heart. Um, what are you – I mean, I know you're not a huge UFC person, but what yeah. are your thoughts on like 29-0 and legacy, never lost in MMA – always dominated uh i don't think he ever went to a decision um so what are your thoughts is he one of the greatest ever in the ufc 
Yeah, I think he's definitely in that conversation. Um, undefeated, there's nothing to stop at. Um, back to your retirement uh, comment, though, I feel, I feel like we hear this. There's, it's every year there, there's somebody retiring <laughs> from UFC. Um, circumstances, obviously, in this case, are different, right? You you would like to think that this is like kind of a genuine this is a promise I made. I'm going to follow through with it. It's not just, you know, I'm tired. I've, I've beaten who I need to beat. I've proven what I need to prove. And now I'm going to call it quits and come back a couple of years later. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see on that. But to, to your question, yeah, I mean, he's 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 beaten all the, the top contenders, uh, the more popular fighters for those like myself who are not as familiar with UFC. Um, I mean, he's he's beaten them all. Anybody, anybody who has challenged him, Conor McGregor, right? I mean, that wasn't even... Um, I guess as close as as they thought it was or that they thought it would be. Um, so, yeah, I'll defer to you on greatest of all time. But just based on purely the numbers, I think he's definitely in that conversation. Uh, I have him up there with probably George St. Pierre. I would say those are probably the two best. People will say John Jones, but with all his performance enhancing issues and yeah. – I'll never call anybody the greatest ever when they've been rested more times than they've held the belt. That's a good point. Um, so that's just my two thoughts. But um, the last two things with the UFC, because I know you're not a huge fan, but we I have later. Yep, I did see this. <laughs> well, uh, fill a pause. <laughs> fill a pause. He's a fighter out of New Jersey, so he's near and dear to my heart. I can't say Pat's because he's really a Staten Island boy. Um, sure. even though I still let him on the show. Um, but he had a knockout that I've never seen before. And we have a clip of it. And when we show the clip, I want you guys to focus on the ring girl because she's about 10 feet away. She's social distanced. But she sees a million of these fights. And the reaction on her face is like, oh, my God, this guy just died. So I'm wondering what face she saw when when uh, Philip was hit this dude. And when he turned around, I I'm just curious because it was the most amazing reaction I've ever seen in my life. I think I had the same reaction. <laughs> the UFC. Here it comes, right? Oh, my God! Man. Oh, we didn't catch the ring girl on that one. But yeah, there's a ring girl where she literally is like, looks at the person next to her and grabs them because she's like, oh my God, I think I just saw somebody get murdered. But not for longer than the duration of the fight. Oh, he, he didn't even come out for when they raised the dude's hand and then. Like his team had to like help him walk out. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, it's it just disturbing to be honest. I mean, he's he's gonna be a hell of a fighter for sure, Hoss. Um, but that was as violent as violent as they come in terms of UFC knockouts. I I haven't seen anything quite like that. The the last UFC, which was uh, two weeks ago, I believe, you had that one knockout where the guy threw a body kick. Dude caught it, and he did – while his leg is caught, he did a spinning back kick to the guy's face and just laid him out. It wasn't as devastating, but that one was maybe more impressive because of the skill level. It was like matrix style. It was ridiculous. Yeah, the kicks are always – you know, those are always, I guess, more of a, a – a more likely of a knockout, but for him to just come in kind of – he had no regard for his own body. He was just—he was just swinging and then planted yep. that one, um, and you know, topped it off with a little, little extra at the end there. But uh, very impressive. And uh, when's the last time that UFC really had a, a, a great fighter from New Jersey? I mean, you—you you know better than I do. Oh, Frankie Edgar, come on. Uh, Frankie Edgar. Sorry, he's sorry, guys. sorry for the UFC fans out there. I'm not going to pretend. Come on. <laughs> So the last one I just wanted to share. So there's a guy, uh, I'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong, uh, Taya Tuavayasa. So he's part of this group out of uh, 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 New Zealand. 
No, uh, I think it's New Zealand. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> so they call them. They call themselves the Nelk Boys, and like I've seen videos of them. They go out partying. It's like, it's like their uh, TikTok group that does like all this crazy stuff. But they like party. They drink. They're they're crazy. So he has a convincing win, right? Knocks a dude out, jumps on the cage, and he tells somebody to throw him a shoe. And the refs pull him off the cage. They don't let it happen. Then at the close of the fight, they go, you know, they go backstage and um, they go, this is what the Nelks, the Nelks boys do. And they show a video and we have a clip of it, but I'll kind of set it up. So they get a shoe that somebody wore. It's not like a brand new Jordan out of a box that somebody wore like six people spit in it. Then they pour a beer in it and chug it. That's not how you drink your beer? No, no. Oh, no. Tie to a vodka. I did good on the name. Oh, you're good. Yeah. Now, now, Pat, to, I'm sure most of you that will watch the first week know either me or Pat, because I'm sure we're not going to get a huge audience first week of just randoms. Yeah. So we play on a softball league together. We're not doing so great this year. Um, so my thought is if we win – Next game we win, we're doing it. But you have to be the one drinking the beer out of my shoe. Oh, straight out of the cleat, huh? What? Straight out of the cleat, huh? Oh, straight out of the cleat. I mean, that's never going to happen. There's, there's absolute zero chance. Uh, for those who know yeah, me, uh, you drink the beer out of the shoe. Which one? What was that? That we win or that you drink a beer out of the shoe? Both are questionable at this point, based on the last based on the last three games. Uh, there's a possibility that we win, um, but there's absolutely zero chance that I'm drinking a beer out of a shoe, um, even if it was my own. Just it's just it's just not going to happen. <laughs> uh, well, that's all we had for today. Uh, anybody who watches this on Friday, uh, thank you for being a friend because I'm sure you're you obviously know one of us. Um, but please. Uh, you know, share this, like this, tag us in posts, um, do whatever. I also want to thank uh, the Scene Snobs podcast network for allowing us to do this. Uh, I know I've wanted to do a podcast for a while. Pat expressed to me that he did as well. So, you know, our screen names are there. Share with us. Pat, you have anything to close with? Nothing more, really. Just a big thanks uh, for, for getting this all put together. Um, Appreciate anyone who watches, shares, likes, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll we'll see you next week with our, our second episode. And we'll be bigger and better. Bigger, Thanks much better. Thank you very much, everyone.